Welcome back to Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. I'm your host, Skylar Sig Daddy, Sigmund and Clash of Champions. It's finally in the books. It's over with and lots of newsworthy stuff coming in from this show. Sorry I didn't get to the weekend review for, well, earlier today. This is being recorded on Sunday night. I will get that to you Monday night. Probably during Raw sometime uh, during that show. But uh, some newsworthy stuff happened before the pay-per-view. It was uh, tweeted out by Brian Alvarez a few hours before the show that Nikki Cross, Nia Jax, and Shayna Baszler were all pulled off of the pay-per-view for undisclosed reasons. And it's safe to assume that it's probably COVID-related, but we're not really sure. But I assume that's what it probably is. But hope whatever the issue is, it gets resolved. So that mean say in saying that, the Nia Jax, Shayna Baszler women's tag team title defense got pulled from the pay-per-view. So there was no match for that. Nikki Cross did get a replacement for this pay-per-view. I will let you know who that was here in a few short moments. But let's get started with the Clash of Champions pay-per-view review. It started out with the kickoff show. It was the SmackDown Tag Team Championship match. Cesaro and Shinsuke Nakamura taking on Lince Dorado and Kalisto. This was the first of eight matches on this Clash of Champions show. And I thought this was a solid little tag match between Cesaro and Shinsuke, well, Cesaro, Shinsuke Nakamura, and the Lucha House Party, Lince Dorado and Kalisto. Grand Metal Leak was ringside for this one, and they've been having some issues recently, has Lucha House Party. They've, Kalisto has just returned not too long ago, if I remember correct. And they're trying to figure out who the leader is of Lucha House Party. They were pretty cohesive, working together, working as a cohesive unit early on. Cesaro and Shin would eventually get a long heat session, controlling Lindsay. Kalisto would eventually get the hot tag. Uh, hits a backstabber on Shin. Hits a diving tornado DDT on the outside with the help of Lince Dorado. Then they both hit moonsaults. It's Kalisto off the first rope, Dorado off the second rope, and then Kalisto once again off of the top rope. Uh, Cesaro kicks out at two. Kalisto would then get another pin attempt on Cesaro. He kicked out. Shinsuke would then pull Dorado out of the ring and hit an exploder over the barricade. Kalisto would then hit a Hurricanrana on Cesaro for a near fall. Then a Salida del Sol gets countered. Cesaro tags Shin in. Cesaro hits the Cesaro swing. And then Shinsuke runs in for the Kinshasa. It's a Cesaro swing Kinshasa combo. And that's enough to get it done and get the three count for the champs and the champs retain. Thought this was a solid pre-show match. I thought this should have been on the main show, but they needed something to be on the pre-show. And I'm going to give this a B minus. Cesaro, as always, he's great and incredibly underrated. 
But then we get the show properly kicked off, the pay-per-view kicked off with the Intercontinental Championship ladder match, Jeff Hardy, Sami Zayn, and AJ Styles. Jeff Hardy defending his IC title, and actually it's both titles, both Sami Zayn's and Jeff Hardy's, hanging above the ring during this one, and boy, was this brutal. Boy, was this good. And there was innovative spots. Even though the ladder match has existed for 25, 26 years, even longer than that, actually, this had innovative spots in it. And these guys, as expected, delivered tenfold. There was one spot where Jeff is on top of the ladder. Sami Zayn's going to tip it. Jeff Hardy almost floats over the top of the ladder. But then then Sammy throws him out of the ring. Really great stuff from these three. The handcuffing spot at the end of this match was absolutely, positively fantastic and one of the smartest things I've ever seen. And most creative things I've ever seen. WWE has a little bit of a weird infatuation with uh, Jeff Hardy's earlobe because back a couple of years ago at Hell in a Cell, Randy Orton used a screwdriver in it. But this time, Sami Zayn handcuffs, yes, handcuffs Jeff Hardy's earlobe to a ladder. To a ladder. That could have ripped Jeff Hardy's ear off. And then Jeff would eventually get back in the ring. Sami Zayn would have another set of handcuffs for him and AJ, and they'd lock each other up. And Sami actually had the key as they're both on the ladder. AJ's actually dra- dragging Sami up the ladder. Jeff get back, gets back in the ring, hits AJ with the ladder. And Sami would then unhook himself from AJ and hook AJ to the support of the ladder. And then climb up and get the win. What a huge D word Sami Zayn is. And he's a smart dude though. Smart dude really puts the heat on him some more. And he's just a fantastic heel. Just a fantastic heel. And I forgot to mention this. Jeff already nearly killed himself again. But that's not new. That swanton he hit off the ladder on Sammy. I don't know how Sammy's even alive. That was freaking nuts. Freaking brutal. The camera work for WWE on that one was actually really, 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 really good. It really sold the effect of it, and that looked brutal. And Jeff, at 43 years old, is doing a swanton off a ladder through another human being who is per- who is uh, wedged, who is prone on another ladder. Holy bleep. I literally... I'm pretty sure I screamed that in my room. Not screamed it, but I said something along those lines. That was incredible. Lots of innovative stuff in this match. Go check this one out. I'm going to give it an A. Fantastic ladder match. I thought that was the right winner. Zami Zayn's a really good champion. Really good heel. This works. It's great. As expected, AJ, Sammy, and Jeff deliver tenfold in this match. Following this match, we go backstage and R-Truth gets rolled up by Drew Gulak. And Gulak is your new 24-7 champion. After that, we get Zelina Vega taking on Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship. And I gotta say, Zelina Vega did a really good job here. 
did a really good job in her first big match on, well, WWE pay-per-view. I know she's had other pay-per-view matches in TNA from back in the day, but she really delivered here pretty well in her first pay-per-view opportunity. Asuka would win with the Asuka lock, but not until not until after Vega would get a couple of uh, pin attempts on her. And Vega did a really good job of working the arm during this match. But yeah, a couple of pin combos for Vega, but then Asuka would roll through, lock in the Asuka lock, and Vega would immediately tap. I'm going to give this match a B-. Very solid performance from Vega in this I didn't think it overstayed its welcome. It didn't go too long. And then Asuka gets interviewed post-match, which actually Sami Zayn got interviewed earlier on in his after his match, after his uh, Intercontinental Championship win. But Asuka gets interviewed post-match. Vega refuses a handshake from Asuka, does a bow, and then Vega knees her in the face. Asuka gets back on the mic, very, very angry. And then... We go to our next match after that. But before I get to the the uh, Apollo Crews-Bobby uh, Lashley match for the United States Championship, I just want to make a comment on that post-match segment for Vega and Asuka. I don't think it's necessary. You had Ve- you kind of hot-shotted Vega up to a title match immediately. They don't need to do it again yet. They have a bad tendency, WWE, of running matches over and over and over again until they're dead in the ground, which one of these matches on this pay-per-view has been ran in the ground, including this next one probably too. You could say that for that. You could say for Cruz and Lashley too. But yeah, I don't think that needed to happen. I think anyone else on Raw needs an opportunity. Vega can work herself up to another title match. I think this should have been just a short program where they do this one time and then have Vega work herself up the card. Because there is way too much talent on Raw for Asuka to have the same title defenses over and over again. This was a fresh matchup, but this this program didn't, didn't need to be longer than a month. You got Bianca Belair just sitting there ready to go. They're playing, at least doing some vignettes with her now. You got Peyton Royce who's working her way up. You got... Many others. You got Mandy Rose that's also on the show now. So you got plenty of talent on there. Let's use them. Use them to their fullest potential. Bianca Belair sitting there. Shayna Baszler and Nia Jax are tag champs at the moment. But one of those two needs to probably be challenging Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship sooner rather than later. I'll be saying that. I'll be saying Baszler deserves that. More so than Nia Jax at the moment. Baszler's got a little bit more credibility with me right now. Uh, Jax is slowly proving herself. Hopefully she doesn't hurt anybody else. But yeah, B-minus grade for that match. Let's move on. Apollo Crews with Ricochet ringside taking on Bobby Lashley with MVP for the United States Championship. This was a fairly short match. Uh, Lashley was fairly dominant during this. Cruz would get a comeback. He hit the splash in the corner. Lashley would then hit a kick, but a back elbow by Cruz sends Lashley out of the ring. Cruz then dives onto Lashley off the apron. Cruz jumps off the top rope over Lashley, hits a jumping in Siguri, and then a press slam followed by a moonsault gets a near fall for Cruz. 
Lashley hits a superplex, Cruz kicks out. Lashley goes for the Dominator, Cruz counters, standing shooting star press, and then Cruz up top, hits the frog splash, Lashley kicks out at the very last second, then Lashley would drive Cruz into the canvas with a spine buster, and then Lashley would lock in a full Nelson, and Cruz would immediately tap out Academic at that point. I'm going to give this a C+. It was okay. I thought it was nothing really special. It's something we'd see on Raw. Hurt Business is dominating, and I really like that because Hurt Business is probably one of the best things going on WWE television at this point. That's the only saving grace on Raw right now. Raw is a terrible show. Period, point blank. And from from what I've been reading, this has hints of 2002 written all over it. I don't know if it's this, this it was this extreme back then, but it's definitely now. Because Raw is in the pits. SmackDown has been pretty good from what I've been hearing recently. What I've been reading. So, I need to work on getting those shows to the same level. It's like back in the day, SmackDown was a lot better than Raw. And it seems like it's the same now. Maybe even more extreme at this point. More of an extreme degree. Up next was Andrade and Angel Garza versus the Street Profits for the Raw Tag Team Championships for the millionth time. I said before this, please end this feud. And the Street Profits versus Angel Garza and Andrade, uh, Sean Ross Sapp of Fightful tweeted this. Quote, Street Profits versus Angel Garza and Andrade for the fifth time since July 20th. There There have also been... Five singles matches between them. There were four Street Profits, Angel Garza tag team matches earlier this year, and three matches with the, with the Bianca Belair and Zelina as part of this feud. So definitely this feud has been run, ran into the ground. But they had a solid tag match here. It's just that's been done so many times that you kind of are deaf to it. Which, this was fine for what it was. It was a decent tag team match. Bad thing happened late in the match, really. Garza hit a knee on Andrade. Not Andrade, but Garza hit a knee on Ford. And then Garza Garza came up limping, which didn't look good. Then Garza tagged Andrade in. And Andrade would knock Dawkins off the apron, running knees to Ford for another near fall. Ford would then counter a hammerlock DDT into an Inseguri, then a tag to Dawkins, spine buster to Andrade. Ref then counts the three, even though Andrade kicks out at two. I have a feeling that they did this. They did this because Garza was seriously injured. Garza did not look right after he hit that knee on Ford. And I think the ref got told by the producers in the back to end the match. And that's why Andrade kicked out and Dawkins, I don't know, everyone looked a little, Dawkins was probably a bit confused. Because Dawkins hit the spine buster, he pinned him, Andrade kicked out at two, and then they rang the bell even though the even though it really was a two count. The ref actually counted three, so I don't know. I really hope guards is okay. After that, because it looked pretty rough as he was he was really slow to get to Andrade to get the tag. And the doctors were checking on him post-match. But this match, 
other than that, was all right. I'm gonna give it a B minus. Then we cut to Drew Gulak getting interviewed backstage. It's hyping up the draft in the coming weeks and talks about Tazawa getting eaten by a shark for a second before Truth comes up from behind and hits him with the bowl he had earlier and pins Gulak to win the 24 title once again. 24-7, I-92 European Championship once again. Then we get Bailey versus a mystery opponent for the SmackDown Women's Championship. It was like, oh, who is it going to be? There's multiple different people that could possibly be uh, in this match for the SmackDown Championship. But guess who we get put? We get instead of a good surprise. I love her to death, Asuka. We don't need to do this again. Cross was not medically cleared. For tonight's title matches, Bailey then issues an open challenge to anyone in the back, and Bailey thought she had a forfeit win before Asuka shows up. And my what I wrote down here was, why are we doing this again? And that this spot could literally could have literally been used for anyone else. The match goes maybe five minutes, and Bailey would use a chair on the outside to de- get the DQ and retain. And following the match, immediately following the match, Sasha Banks shows up with her neck brace on and clobbers Bailey from behind with a chair. Bailey would then fight her off. She grabs a chair and a kendo stick, but Banks then kicks Bailey's knee out and then waylasers with a kendo stick before, Bra- before Banks grabs the chair and Bailey would then retreat to the outside. What I've got to say about this match is this. The match didn't need to be done. The angle was really, really good. I'll say that. The angle was really, really good. But really, I think they should have done it like this. They should have done the forfeit. Bailey gloats for a minute or two, cuts a little bit of a promo, and then we do the Sasha attack. I felt like that would have accomplished the exact same thing as we got. The match never needed to happen. And if you were going to use this match as an opportunity, you could have given it to someone else. But it was a waste of a match. The segment was good. The match was a D plus. The segment gets an A. Not the angle. The angle, post-match angle, gets an A. Then we get Drew McIntyre versus Randy Orton in an ambulance match for the WWE Championship. And you know the story behind this. Orton hit, Orton broke McIntyre's jaw a few weeks ago, and then McIntyre would send Orton to the hospital a few weeks later after claymoring him multiple times. And this is a physical, brutal, long match, but it works. It works. This might have been the best ambulance match I have ever seen. We have, we as a wrestling community have ever seen. I thought this worked out great. Storytelling storytelling elements were all there. They brought back Big Show early in the match, which was fantastic. Orton was going to go for the punt on McIntyre, but Big Show grabbed his leg, choke slammed him through the announce table, They had Christian get involved at one time when they are backstage fighting and catering. And 
Christian just beats him down. These are all the men, practically all the men that Orton punted. And Orton's getting his comeuppance at this point. Even at one point, Shawn Michaels super kicks Orton off the top of the ambulance. These were all great moments. I liked that. Orton getting his comeuppance there. That's all of you. That's that's what you want as a wrestling fan. The heel gets his comeuppance. I was just surprised that McIntyre retained. We'll see if this leads to a Hell in a Cell match between the two because honestly, I think this feud can actually continue here. Because it will bring some kind of finality to this feud. This was great. Brutal. Drew took a nasty bump on a on the top of the ambulance uh, hood where he went through the the uh, glass, the windshield. That was rough. But McIntyre would win following that uh, punt he hit on Orton. He actually hit a claymore on Randy and then set him across the ambulance before he closed it and then punted Randy like... Orton did to him previously and this was great great stuff from these two loved the match loved the layout of it loved all the little storytelling elements that came into play during this and you know who's driving the ambulance at the end Rick freaking Flair I thought actually Rick was going to actually get get involved in this physically but I, it was nice to see that he did not that he did not get involved physically in this match, but he did drive the ambulance out of the arena. After Drew claymored the uh, door, the driver's side door off. But really loved this match. I'm going to give it an A. I thought it went a little bit too long, but it was fine. It was really good. Lots of good storytelling during this. Definitely recommend you check this one out also. Then we get our main event of the evening. Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns for the WWE Universal Championship. The Cousins facing off. If you would have told me that Jey Uso would be main eventing a pay-per-view in 2020, I would have called you a big, fat, freaking liar. But you know what? Here we are. Jey Uso versus Roman Reigns in the main event of Clash of Champions 2020. And this one was very, very hard to watch at times because Roman is constantly trash-talking Jay throughout this match. He wants them to call him the head of the table, the tribal chief. He wants them to acknowledge him as that. And Jay just refuses throughout this match. Jay just doesn't say it. He doesn't want to give in to Roman's demands. And Roman does just a great job of trash talking throughout this. Every time Jay would get some kind of momentum, Roman would cut it off. Eventually Jay would get some big momentum, hit some big moves, hits the super kick, hits the big, big splash from the top. You think it's a possibility that Jay will win? Well, we all knew it wasn't, but Roman would kick out, but he does this subtle little thing. He low blows Jay on the kick out. Roman kicks out, gets his left arm up, 
and woe blows Jay. Jay then eats a spear from Roman, but Roman ain't done. He wants Jay to acknowledge him as the tribal chief, the head of the table. Jay just refuses. Jay eventually gets hit with a second spear, and he gets pounded on, pounded on, pounded on, pounded on. And Jay, not Jay, but Roman tells the ref to shut his mouth and let him go to work. And then Jimmy shows up and wants to throw in the towel. Jay says, forget this fool. Roman wants Jimmy to acknowledge him. Jay doesn't want him to. Jimmy then throws in the towel and the ref rings the bell after Roman mounts and pounds on Jay some more. Jimmy then, post-match after Roman gets the win, the official rings the bell after the towel throw-in. Jimmy tells him he's the tribal chief and to just leave Jay alone. This was really, really good. I'm going to give it an A-. It really pulled at the emotional heartstrings there. Roman gets the legs put over his neck. Jay had those on before the match as he was making his entrance. And Roman was fantastic as a trash talker here. Why hasn't why wasn't Roman a heel earlier on? Oh my gosh, this was golden. This was the best stuff he's ever done. The best stuff he's ever done. You should have put a jetpack on him a while ago, years ago, as a freaking heel. Because this is the best version of Roman Reigns I have ever seen by 300 bajillion miles. And Graves made a great point post-match here. If Roman is willing to do this to his family, what will he do to everyone else? Like, he will brutalize them even worse than he did his own family. But man, this was really, really good. Hard to watch. That was the whole point of it. It went a little bit long, in my opinion, but didn't take away too much from the match. But I get why they were doing it. It was meant to be a long, slow, kind of methodical beatdown of Jay. And it was supposed to be uncomfortable, which they got the point across fantastically. A minus grade for that match. Man, this show was a pretty darn solid show. There was nothing horrible on the show. One negative point would definitely be the Bailey Asuka match. But the post-match angle made up for it for the most part. But everything else on the card was good. And there was three possibly great matches on the card. Three great matches. The triple threat ladder match, definitely match of the night in my opinion. Uso and Roman, fantastic storytelling there. And Orton McIntyre, definitely some fantastic storytelling there. Great ambulance match, the greatest ambulance ambulance match I have ever seen. And they were all good. The way the thing was about this, these three matches, they were all good in separate ways, their own unique ways. The family element and Uso and Roman, 
the callbacks to the previous people Orton punted in the Orton McIntyre ambulance match, the triple threat ladder match was just great, innovative stuff. I'm going to give this pay-per-view an overall grade of a B plus. This is, I think, quite possibly WWE's best pay-per-view outing since the Royal Rumble. Yeah, I'm going to that length. It's the best one since the Royal Rumble of this year in January. Definitely. Definitely recommend you go check out those three matches, the Triple Threat Ladder Match, Uso and Roman, Jey Uso versus Roman, and Orton McIntyre. Great stuff. When WWE wants to put on a good show, they really can. They need to do this on a more consistent basis. And I understand why the Asuka-Bailey match was not as good. It was really hastily booked because they didn't find out, I think, until like a few hours before that Nikki Cross was not going to be able to compete on the show. But they could have made a little bit of a better adjustment, I thought. But that's nitpicking stuff. But really, B-plus grade for this pay-per-view. Really enjoyed it. Definitely recommend a rewatch of this, especially those three matches. But yeah, good pay-per-view outing by WWE. Coming up next week for WWE is TakeOver 31. And we got some interesting stuff on that one. We got Damian Priest taking on Johnny Gargano for the NXT North American Championship. They've got Kyle Kyle O'Reilly versus Finn Balor for the NXT Championship. That is going to be a straight-up banger. Also on the card, Candice LeRae versus Io Shirai for the NXT Women's Championship. Whew, that's going to be a good card. This was a good card for WWE, WWE Clash of Champions. I hope you enjoyed that review of Clash of Champions. For all my other pay-per-view reviews, you can go check them out in the archives on Podbean, Spotify, Apple Podcast, the iHeartRadio app, and plenty of other podcasting platforms. Sig Daddy's Wrestling Show. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter at Sig Daddy Wrestle and on Facebook. The same at Sig Daddy Wrestle. But don't forget, I'll have the weekend review up about 12 or so hours after I have this Clash of Champions pay-per-view review up. Until next time, though, this is Sig Daddy signing off. Thanks for listening, and so long, everybody.